0: Welcome to Real Estate Unscripted, where each week we connect no-nonsense, let's-get-it-done realtors and lenders from across the country who want to grow our businesses and stay motivated with timely topics and experts in our field. I'm your host, Marjorie Adam. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Today on the show, I'm so excited to have my friend and real estate investor, Kyle Miller. Say hi, Kyle.
1: Hey, Marjorie, thank you for having me.
0: You are so welcome. I'm excited for you to be here because this is a topic that I think is really important to share with people that are listening. So Kyle has Wahoo home buyers, Wahoo like UVA. Wahoo? Yes. Or Wahoo like yay? <laughs> it's
1: both. It's excited we got this thing done. Woohoo!
0: We're done. <laughs> so long and short of it. So Kyle really focuses on, in this part of his business, buying discounted properties. You buy discounted properties. You partner with money. You flip them. So you are a flipper. An official flipper.
1: That's correct. Part of my business is flipping houses. Yes.
0: Yes. So I think this is all that people go, Ooh, me too. I want to do this because look at all the money. You right. just make money. And well, so we're going to talk about this today because there are ways, obviously it is a business you're doing really well, but this isn't something I think to enter into necessarily lightly. And I think that let's kind of guide some people through pitfalls as well as success stories and what they need to know. Cause right. just like you, I'm a realtor. Of course, it never fails that someone, Oh, I'm going to start investing in properties. I'm like, but you don't have any money. That part of it's kind of important. So let's get into this. So let's talk about how did you start? How did you become the flipper extraordinaire that you are?
1: Well, my first career, I was a strength conditioning coach, personal trainer. And I realized that that really wasn't going to set me up for the life that I wanted. So I transitioned into being a real estate agent. And then after doing that for about a year, I realized that I wasn't the one that was like, going out and meeting everybody and kind of showing people around and people couldn't make the decision to buy a house. I'd walk houses and said, this is a great buy. You should really buy it. Well, we don't really want to. And I'm sitting there in my head going, why the heck not? Like it's (laughs) really... (laughs) It's a really good deal. It kind of transitioned into me sitting on a computer, watching houses in that down market come on the market. And I'd go, I'd buy it at this number. I'd go walk it. I'd write down all the costs of what it was going to take to renovate. And I'd keep a notebook. So I'd write that house down. I'd go, okay, this is what I think it would sell for. This is how much I think it would cost to renovate. And I think this is what the price was. And I just watched that house because I wasn't confident enough at that time. And I'd watch that house go under contract, sell, and I'd see it. they buy it at? Where was I at? And then I'd see it go through the renovation costs and stuff. And I'd go, okay. And then I'd see it come back on the market and sell. And I'd judge it. Okay. I was on that, or I was a little low or, and I was just kind of playing it that way. So you can go, I think on Investorpedia and some play some stocks and you say, oh, play it that way. But that's what I was doing with the real estate. And then I finally got the confidence to purchase my first flip. I got the money from an investor and actually, the investor being my mom.
0: Yeah, I was going to um, say, who was that investor, yeah, guy?
1: My stepdad is in the real estate game. He understood the value of what something could sell for. So he was comfortable enough in doing that. And so we went in, I purchased it. I did all the work on the first one. I did the painting, the landscaping, everything, installing cabinets. I didn't do tile, but everything else I was making sure I got done. And I turned around, I sold that. I missed the market on the sale price. I had it under contract. I screwed something up on the home inspection. They dropped the contract and ended up making like 3,500 bucks when I was supposed to make like 30. And so I was like, lessons, tuition. I feel like I've paid for a master's degree, or maybe even a doctorate by now throughout this whole thing. That's kind of how it progressed into doing the deal. And then from then on, I just didn't let that one knock me down and take me off of what I really wanted to do. So I kept going, went to find the next one, got partnered up with another guy and we went on to build that company up doing some deals.
0: I love that. So what you just said, I think is the key that no one thinks of, and I don't care now because we're talking mostly to realtors and lenders. You paid your tuition. That's for everything. So like when you start as a realtor, you pay your tuition. It's experience, it's time, it's, oh my gosh, everyone expects that you're going to make a million dollars in your first six months and you make $400. I mean, not thousand. So it's like, you paid your tuition. So I know you became an agent in 2009, which is that dream time to get into real estate. Yeah, whoo, that was some fun years. But you sold 15 houses that year. So already that's pretty darn good for your first year, by the way. You bought your first flip house in 2011, right? You partnered up, you said in about 2012, 2013. And then really by 2015, between Charlottesville, which is our area, and Richmond, which is the next biggest city, you grew to about 70 flips a year which is incredible. But what you also said that I think I want to make sure everyone listens to, everyone has this dream of doing this, but you studied, not only were you in the market, but you studied, like you literally said, you kept a journal of houses that you trended. I could have made this. So you were really studying. And I think most people don't, oh, I think we'll launch on this one where you learned. And, uh, Most people don't do that. But we're going to talk about some pains you had because I think people need to know that. But I love that you did that. And I love that you realized very quickly (laughs) because we are all sort of that way. But your mind a little differently, like I will show a house and say, my gosh, you should absolutely buy this one. And mostly it's for their need. Like you went to the investment part. I mostly go, look, based on all your wants and needs and everything we've shown you, there is no perfect house. This is it. You immediately went into investor mode. As an investment, you're missing out, which is interesting because I think it's kind of what you were meant to do.
1: Yeah, it was just watching those. My drive was money in the beginning. That was my single greatest drive was to get the money because I didn't have any.
0: Well, you need it.
1: That's what I just kept pushing for. And that was the single greatest driver. And when I saw guys making 30 grand on a flip, you saw it go from time, but they didn't realize how many phone calls and stuff they made. You never do. You never really know what all is involved until you step foot into it and get punched in the face. And so I just did it. I took my licks and was like, okay, I can get better. I played college sports and I was an athlete and I was always that one. All that didn't work. I'm going to try it this way. Oh, that didn't work. I didn't try it this way. Oh, that that worked. I'm going to keep doing that. So that's how it just kind of progressed studying negotiation, studying management, studying that type of stuff. I still got a long ways to go. There's people way better than me. in Every single one of those aspects, but I think I'm progressing and making it and doing better.
0: Well, there's always something to learn. I'm 27 years in and still feel like I listen to podcasts. I go to classes. I teach classes. I coach realtors, but still I'm coached. I learn from my students. I'm like, oh, I messed that up. I mean, we're redoing our website because I realized, wow, that we did that wrong. And we're 27 years in. So I think if anyone feels like, well, I've got this now, you got a problem because plus then the world shit. I
1: hope it happens. And it's like, oh God, what's going to happen?
0: Yes. But then you got to work through it. So let's talk about the first thing. So where do you find your flip houses?
1: So I do marketing and relationships. Those are the two biggest things. Relationships are probably the most valuable because that will continue to go on and on and on to the end of time. Just don't screw up that relationship. And then marketing is a direct response marketing. So I'm either sending postcards TV commercials, direct mail, cold calling and like pay-per-click stuff, which it's not working now, but it is what it is. And so I spend money, I get a return. I spend money, I get a return. We have the relationship and things just happen eventually. I would put more emphasis on the relationships than any of the direct mail or any of the different marketing on that aspect of it. That's where I find my deals, get my deals and work with people.
0: I mean, if you think about it again, another parallel, where do realtors who are really successful make their money right it's their business relationships it's their databases it's a relationship always so i think i would argue almost anyone that we should interview or could interview it's relationships and we met through a relationship so i met you on a house that we always joke you'll call me or text me and say you got any crap houses and we just seem to have lots of them now we go through cycles for years i was like nope and all of a sudden it's like well apparently that's what i'm advertising because All of a sudden, we got a lot of houses that needed so much work that honestly, we couldn't happen. So someone who does like junk removal, estate sales and everything said, oh, you need to meet Kyle Miller. And I'll be honest at first, nothing with you, but like, oh, flip houses, but I'm a realtor. We got this, like, we'll take care of our client. Why would we do that? I just didn't understand how that works since then. We've worked together a ton of times and it's really been beneficial for all, frankly, first beneficial for my client who has a house that is so far out of control, so far down a path that they cannot afford to fix it, that I can't sell it that way without it literally being given away that you could go in and give them a value that allows them to do what they need to do. You can then fix it up. We can sell it. So it's really a relationship that if people don't understand someone like you saved some of our clients that just weren't in a position where they have no ability to do pretty massive things to the house to make it sell other than me putting it on. It's such a discount that, frankly, you paid more than the public would. So I think that relationship you mentioned, like TV commercials, direct mails. I mean, do you say like I buy crap houses because, of course, you and I both know no one thinks they have one.
1: The other thing, it's not necessarily just crap houses. I mean, that's part of it. But the other part that people call us on is whenever they're having financial difficulties or they're going through a parent died or some sort of circumstance that's caused duress. In the family in the house or whatever it is is if it's financial a death something something's happened and sometimes they're not bad sometimes they just need to let it go they're moving i I just want to make sure that the house is going to get closed on the 30th of this month that way i can move out of here and and i can be done i don't have to think about it because if you put it on the market then there's this then there's that so when i come in and say hey there's no contingencies on this cash offer there's no financial anything set the closing date we'll get it done by the closing date." And that gives people a massive like, oh, my gosh, that relief, because what I found most of the time it's with the financial stuff, but it's a lot of families are fighting, bickering back and forth because they're not always on the same page. Is that coming in me as a third party saying, hey, I can do this for you. This is what it's going to cost. Let me show you why. And you guys can walk away with X, Y, Z. You don't have to talk to your brother again. You don't have to talk to your sister again. It can be done. And then I kind of bring them all together to get it all done for them. And then everybody can move on and be happy. And so that's a lot of the scenarios that we come across as well.
0: Okay. And realtors, obviously. So for any realtors listening, it's a great resource. So of course, this is realtors across the country. They don't have all Kyle Miller and Charlottesville, but you have people that you can team up with that can really be a great service to your clients as well. So I think that realtors knowing that. Now for you, you do mostly cash. So any financing? So if there's lenders listening, which there will be, do you team up with lenders ever? How can a lender be involved?
1: A lender, usually they have clients and they can call us. So I've done this with a couple of different lenders and lenders say, hey, this person's not doing too good. Can you help in this aspect to come in here and purchase this house from them so they can move on with their life? I find that that's what I've found with work with the mortgage brokers and stuff like that. They've brought deals to us that way as
0: well. Okay. So really thinking about that on the lending end. If you have a client coming to you that you're like, uh oh, you're facing short sale, they could be going into foreclosure, they're missing payments for them yeah. to be able to then purchase another home or get out of the situation they're in more quickly. Teaming up with someone yeah. like you is also a great resource for their sphere and database who they want to take care of.
1: Yeah. Anybody that's just like looking to move properties, anything yeah. that's like has to get done fast, has to move quickly can't have any inspection stuff. Those investors are the best guys to go to or girls.
0: So let's talk about auctions because I think everyone, that's the assumption that, oh, I'll just buy it at auction, which has always been a little frightening to me based on you've got to have some pockets. You've got to be able to deal with the uninspected. But you had mentioned in the past couple of years, not so much. So let's talk about auctions and what you now see, what you think you'll see. The past
1: two years, it's been basically non-existent. If you're going to auctions and that's your sole purpose of the only way to find deals now in this market. At this current time, you're not going to find a lot of deals. In the past two years, you haven't found a lot of deals. But moving forward, I think there's opportunities out there. Is there enough to build a whole business off of? No, I don't think so, especially just if you're located in one location, you have to turn that in and do other types of marketing. You need to find these people before those houses get to that. And that's what I'm always trying to do. I'm trying to get in front of those people who are going to get either foreclosed on or they're having issues with tenants not paying rent and all this other stuff.
0: So before all that's happened, getting in front of them is really a key.
1: I don't like competition per se, because when you go to the auction, then there's no emotion. There's nothing. It is just straight cash. And... When you get to the auction, one, you've passed the point of where you can actually help somebody. And now you're just dealing with bank. And two, then you guys are just seeing how much you can outbid each other to make the least amount of money. And so every bid it goes up, it just takes away profit margin, profit margin, profit margin. And I just see it shrinking and shrieking. And there's so much stuff that can go wrong in a foreclosure, especially if you're not allowed into the house, if you're not allowed to see it, all this stuff. You can't get inspections on it. You got to have enough buffer to cover especially if something goes wrong, septic goes wrong. If it's conventional, it's 13 grand. If it's an alternate, it's 30. That's a big number.
0: Yeah, that's time to say. That's frightening.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah that sounds that like a
0: lot. Woo. All right, so let's talk about everyone thinks they can flip. People all the time, like I'm going to be a flipper. Yeah. I'm like, me too. You said to me, and then we're going to talk about this now. If you're going to do it, you got to be right three times. What are the yeah. three times? Let's talk about that.
1: The three times. So we've identified the house that we're going to buy. And so now we got to be right three times. We got to be right on the purchase price. We got to be right on the renovation cost. And then we got to be right on the sale price. And if you get all three of those right, you're going to make some money. But if you don't, if you screw up any one of those, you either break even, you get a life lesson. And so that's what you get. Also, when you're getting into these houses, you have to have the multiple exit strategies. If this doesn't sell for this, can I rent it? Can I do this with it? Can I do that with it? What's the other things that I can do with this property that I'm not going to lose my tail on? And so you got to have those going into the deals as well.
0: Yeah. So on the first one, they have to buy it. You said, so on the purchase. So the biggest thing on the purchase, which I know is the case, no doubt is even before they do it is underestimating what it's going to cost to fix it. Because either you don't fully know, which is often, like when you go in there and didn't do an inspection, even you, I'm sure there are times that surprise, but for a novice, it's also underestimating not just the cost of repairs, but what repairs you really have to do. Oh, we don't need to do that. Yes, you do. So I think when they don't know those things, that will really bite them.
1: Well, that's what got me on my very first flip. That's why I didn't make any money. Knowing what it's going to cost, I'm just thinking about this. You got to be really good at negotiation because now you're dealing with contractors that you don't know. Because if this is your first one, you're getting into a game. And if they smell that you don't have any idea that what you're doing, hey, it's going to cost $30,000 to fix this. Oh, okay. yeah, Get it done. Like people have called me up. Can you get me out of this house? I said, what are you in it for? I bought it for 200. I'm in it for 50. What do you have done? Framing. That's it? Well, yeah, that's what it cost. And I'm like, it's only a 2000 square foot house and it was already built. It's not going to cost that much. Well, I said, did you already spend it? Oh, yeah. Well, I gave them 25 up front and then I paid them the other 25 whenever it was halfway done. Hmm. Okay. So if you're getting into this game, really understand how to pay contractors, what they really need. I pay for all my material. So I'm just paying for labor. So all the material I pay for, I don't pay my guys up front because if I'm just paying for labor, then they don't get paid up front. I'm paying for the material, boom, the material gets dropped off at the house, they start working, and then I pay them on draw schedules that we've set ahead of time. When you get X, Y, Z done, you get paid. Yep. When that gets done, and then we go on to the next one. So many people out there, just willy-nilly, hey, this person's going to help me, da-da-da-da-da. And in the meantime, some of these contractors, it's unfortunate, but it's not always the most professional trade and you'll get taken advantage of if you're not paying attention it's a tough business i've built relationships with my contractors over the last 10 years of guys that i've used some have stayed and some have gone it's a ever circling wheel and i try to pay my guys the most I can, I want to see them make money and I want to see them have a good life. I'm not like one of those ones that I'm only going to pay 13 cents to go install a door. Like that's not what I'm doing. And I think that's why they stay. They give me a fair price. They know it's consistent work. They know, hey, what do you got this week? I got boom, boom, boom. And they know they're making their money over the long haul and not just today.
0: And then you also, in the end, you have to make sure you don't set this dream price that you're going to sell it. Or like, think about this year, what you could have sold something for had you completed it in March versus today is a whole different world. So timing the market's impossible, but you have to not think I'm going to get this Mercedes price and it be unrealistic. So I think that's also where, knowing your market, knowing what it's going to cost you. But it's almost like you've got to come in and say, all right, I still do well if I almost give it. Not really, but like you can't just right. say this high, high price. It's like, okay, what if it's 30 less or you had to do right. all your profit because then you're in trouble. And yeah, I think that's exactly. time and experience and you've gotten burned. You have. Yeah, yeah. You told me on I, one, like, <laughs> how much did you lose on one?
1: <laughs> I lost $75,000 on one deal. That's not fun to do. And you can't do that too many times and still be in business. And that was just one that ballooned. I bought it at a foreclosure. I sat on it too long. This happened, that happened, and I had to basically tear the house down and then rebuild the damn thing.
0: But again, think about if you're that one time person who says, I'm gonna right. do this just to do it, and you know, you're done. So I think that's where it's like the caution. Cause I feel like I know more than many and I really haven't done it. And it's part of it is because even in my own house, when I think, oh, I'm just going to fix this. I'm like, well, that costs way more than I thought. And by the way, the thing that you mentioned to me that we didn't talk about is also time. Now, I mean, we just needed a door and it took six months to get a door. You kind of need a door like just the front door is a pretty key part in building a house and to get the materials in and the cost of materials Crazy. And
1: That was the other thing. On one of the new builds that we built, we had originally gone in and said, hey, it's going to cost, I think it was like $17,000 for the framing package. And then we didn't pull the trigger on it. We were getting some other ducks in a row. And then a couple months later, COVID and everything and this lumber increase came in. And now it wasn't 17 grand, it was 25,000. And that was just in the two by fours. That wasn't including the plywood and all that stuff. That stuff went from $15 a sheet to $50 a sheet. And so it's just like just extravagant cost increases on that. And so we had to weather it, we had to get through it.
0: Well, and again, and you're not just doing one and you have the pockets. So, what percentage, like what's the goal? What do we shoot to make? ultimately to, percentage wise. That's a
1: good one because it's all going to be different. We try to shoot for 20. Now, I don't know last time I hit 20% on the deal. I'm more along the lines about 15 now, but if I'm getting into a deal and it's only like a $30,000 renovation, I need to make like 30 grand. If we're in it for 50, $60,000, I need to be making fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 on the back end because what people don't realize is that you buy it and then if you got it dialed in and everybody's clicking on all four cylinders, just knocking it out of the park, you can get pretty much seventy five hundred to ten thousand a week. You can spend on a house, and you got to be on top of management and scheduling that. It's really hard to get to that point, and you got to have it dialed in. Now you take that over and say you're sixty grand. Let's just say it at best that's six weeks, so you're a month and a half in. But it's probably going to be more on the lines of three months. So now we bought it. Now we've got three months and now you're in it for another month and a half for 45 days on the sale. And so you're four and a half, five months into a deal. And so now we're looking at it. It's only 10 grand a month that you've been thinking about this thing and trying to get it done and managing the whole thing. And so when you break it out, it's not that much money.
0: Which is why if you're really going to get into it, you've got to have volume. It's right. not one flip house. Now for someone who says just for fun, I don't know. I'm sure it's fun in a way it does not sound like that much fun. Yeah, but yeah. Just for a little extra income. Okay. But again, understanding all of those factors let's kind of end with you started with your mom's money so if you're really going to get serious about this first you need capital you need money second probably a partner like partner with someone like you maybe if it's something that you're interested in doing or an investor unless you have buckets of money now if you have free fallen money just sitting there that you think i just don't know what to do with all this money i have so much money then okay so you got to start with that capital and then You've got to find a deal. But we talked about this too. If we find a partner, the problem a lot of people is I don't want to share profit. Like I want all the profit. What would you advise someone?
1: Listen, on your first couple ones, I'd share as much as you can and get that experience because the experience counts more than anything else. Because money comes and goes, the knowledge always stays. You'll never lose the knowledge. And so like you're going to learn and you're going to learn and you're going to learn. And so the problem is the people just want it all right now. And they're not willing to... Delay gratification. They're not willing to let it push out there. Let me learn the basics. Let me learn what I need to know. Let me put the work in. And then, while I'm doing this, also build relationships with all these other people. Because then, when you've gone through all this stuff and then you're off on your own, you've already built all these relationships. They've already known you've been doing it for couple years with different partners and stuff, if that's the route that you're going. And then it's just going to happen faster for you. People just don't realize right now, you're just setting the blocks. You're building that foundation. You're building with all those relationships that you can build off of that. And nobody likes seeing just a foundation in the ground. It's not pretty. It's not great to look at. But when the whole house is finished after the career, after you've done all that stuff, brick by brick, and you've laid it and you get to the end, Like, then you can look at something and go, wow, that's pretty cool. Look what I built. You know, instead of like, I want the Lamborghini tomorrow, I'm going to buy it and just have it now. So build that relationship, build the foundation, and it'll take you much further places than just trying to go out and do it on your own. I was listening to a podcast. There's like a Belgian horse can only pull like 1,600 pounds by himself. Two Belgian horses can pull 6,000 pounds and you put three in. It jumps up tremendously. So build those relationships with people, whether you're a realtor, whether you're a broker, whatever. I think those are the most important things in life, business, all of it, more than money. Because if you have those relationships, the money will come.
0: I totally agree. I mean, I think it's the same thing as someone looking at, I've been in real estate 27 years and thinking that year one was all fun and oh, it takes many years to build up the relationships and the business and the referrals, but people don't see the time. They assume like, oh, you got lucky. It's like, oh yeah, I've been lucky for 27 years. But I think that the key is you can be an investor, but don't underestimate time relationships knowledge the funds needed is the biggest thing and then your knowledge if you don't understand well, the market and the, the costs you're in trouble
1: yeah the funds not as much important as the relationship because if you have the relationship with people with funds the funds will always be there
0: yay Okay. I love it. And also you <laughs> have a podcast. So I thought that yeah. was cool. Cause as we were talking, so you do life on the rocks podcast. So you guys yeah. should listen to that. That's super cool. So I want to make sure I plug your podcast. Cause I'm going to be listening to that, but okay. I just wanted to say, thank you so yeah. much for joining us on real estate unscripted. And I promise I will continue to look for families that need you, but also houses that need you that we can okay. continue to work together. Cause it's been really a joy getting to know you and work with you.
1: Yeah, well, it's been a privilege on my end. I can tell you that. You guys are great to work with.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. you being here today. Absolutely.
1: Real Estate Unscripted is sponsored by Alcova Mortgage. Alcova is committed to simplifying the mortgage process. Check out the tools we offer to realtors and homebuyers at alcova.com slash realtors. Alcova Mortgage, equal housing lender. NMLS ID number 40508, nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
0: Before we go, please show us some love by subscribing on your listening platform of choice and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you share this with your friends and be sure to listen in next week. Until then, this is Marjorie Adam. Don't forget to check out the show notes for a recap. This podcast was made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support.